Hey everybody, welcome to Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm Jonathan Burke from BurkeReviews.com and with me is my Kingsman to my Statesman. Hello John, it's Matt from What I Watched Tonight over here in the cold, dark England. And how is it going over there? Is it, you said cold, is it, it's 90 freaking degrees here in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, not that over here. It's been, I'll, I'll be polite, very cold today but other than that England's doing well it's been a good day for me I had a bucket of chicken wings mm. southern fried chicken fillets homemade uh, chips slash fries beer one because I'm sensible uh, and that was and that was my evening on a Saturday so nice. I, did, I was going to go and see Shazam today but I didn't get around to it so I think I'm going to go tomorrow but I've been stacked on films this week after not really seeing all that much this month but how about yourself how's it going it's going pretty well. It is interesting you say that because uh, listeners, we're here to discuss the movies of March 2019, and uh, looking back a month, it was kind of an empty month compared to what we're looking forward to right now when we're recording this because April is super stacked. Like every weekend, there is multiple movies coming out that I want to see. Um, I have seen Shazam, but not Pet Cemetery. You have seen Pet Cemetery, but not Shazam. Um, yes. Something I think both of us will have rectified before the uh, the end of April. Um, as we plan on talking about those two movies for sure uh, in our April uh, episode of BAMP. But um, I, I've been, you know, I've had a overall good week uh, despite having a, a, not a personal tragedy because it's really not my tragedy to own, but um, a student uh, that I've uh, known now for several years um, named Jerry Hall uh, passed away this week. Uh, he had cystic fibrosis. Which is relevant because the movie we're going to be talking about from March deals with cystic fibrosis. Um, I met Jerry as a student um, in his, I believe it was his junior year, but uh, he was there longer than normal because cystic fibrosis kept him out of school quite a bit. Um, he had a lung transplant while I was teaching him, uh, which took him out of school for a while. Um, but when he came back, he was always in good spirits and um, one of the kindest, uh, most optimistic people I've ever known in my life. And it was very sad to, to hear of his passing. Um, I wrote about him in my review of Five Feet Apart because that, he was heavily on my mind while I was watching the movie. In fact, when I first saw the trailer for the film, I messaged him on Instagram and was like, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, are you excited? Are you nervous? And at, at the time, uh, we didn't know very much about the movie and he was apprehensive of that it could maybe um, set the wrong tone about the disease or... Uh, it encouraged people with CF to violate their doctor's um, orders and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so he had genuine concern, but also optimism that people would be more aware of CF, which is a, a disease I didn't know anything about till I met Jerry. And um, it, it's, it's a tough thing, uh, especially several of my students um, were freshmen uh, when he was at the school so they knew him through that because he was always in my room we have a hour-long lunch at our school so the students have a lot of freedom during lunchtime and my classroom is um a place where they can come and eat and we have movie conversations or we have other conversations usually nerd related you know whether it's movies or video <laughs> games or something but um jerry was a regular in my in my uh room when he was a student there and so anyone who was uh like him in my room uh, would know him because he was very uh, outgoing, willing to talk to anybody about almost anything. Um, super, you know, he'd bring people in. And then after he graduated, uh, he was a regular, I would see at, um, we have like a Megacon comic book convention here in Florida. Yeah. 
It's like the second largest next to uh, San Diego Comic-Con, apparently, but Jerry was an adamant cosplayer, so he'd be up there dressed up as uh, Arrow from the Arrow TV series, or he'd be dressed as one of the Power Rangers. Uh, recently, he'd been doing Spider-Man, and I don't know if you've seen his stuff, Matt, but he did uh, Slappy from Goosebumps, because he was a huge <laughs> fan of Goosebumps. That was one of the creepiest cosplays, because it was so good. The mask he got for it was so awesome. Um, in fact, he met... Uh, Oh, man, my brain just blanked. Who wrote the Goosebumps books? R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein. <laughs> um, he, he met R.L. Stein when he was a, a kid with the Make-A-Wish Foundation because they didn't think he was going to make it into his teenage years. And so he did outlive a lot of the early uh, you know, diagnosis and prog- prognostications of his life, and he was still fighting um, until until the inevitable uh, of death that looms over all of us did take him from us this week. And it is... Um, losing a former a student is, is always crazy, and unfortunately, this is not the first uh, student death I've had to deal with, but it was definitely the closest. Um, it, it was a, a kid. Uh, my Burke Reviews logo, the graphic of me sitting on the recliner that's used on BAMP, Jerry did for me um, using whatever tools or software he did, but he did it without me asking. He just, when he saw what I was doing, he wanted to be involved wherever he could, and um, I will definitely miss him and thank you listeners for letting me kind of talk about how great of a person he is um if you didn't know anything about cystic fibrosis i do encourage uh you look it up and see five feet apart which we'll talk about momentarily and um donate uh to the cf.org i believe is the official website um in fact my daughter's birthday is tomorrow matt she's turning 15 (laughs) and it is crazy but uh for her birthday in honor of jerry she's posted like on facebook for people to uh, donate to cf.org and um i shared that post and she uh she had one dollar donated when i shared her post and it's jumped up to 181 i think um within a couple of hours so i'm and i think a big part to my aunt um who is always supportive of everything i do and i want to thank my aunt i'm not going to say her name just in case but thank you aunt uh, for always supporting my craziness and my family's craziness and all the things we get ourselves involved in, but um, <laughs> that's an incredible jump. That is, uh, I I only knew Jerry via Instagram, and what I gleaned from that was what a positive person he really was. Because we've spoken before about yeah trivial things like we didn't like this film or I went to Starbucks and my I didn't have the beans I wanted, but you know through it all. Jerry had realish, real problems to face, but just every post I saw, every story, was just a guy who was just living his best life, just enjoying, just, he had a passion for life and for film and the cosplays I saw him do, especially the Power Ranger ones and Spider-Man, just seemed like the kind of guy, and I know people say it, but seemed like the kind of guy who could walk into a room, you could talk to, and just, you know, get a buzz from speaking to somebody because you I, I could just tell that when he started speaking about film or one of his passions that you probably couldn't stop him all that easily and i urge anybody who's listening to to donate to to the foundation check out john's socials for that i know i certainly will be within the next week when my pay drops as well but um mm-hmm. everything i knew was uh just spoke of a very positive person so it was extremely it was very sad to hear though i didn't know him personally it's very sad to know that you know, a valued member of the movie community is uh, now not now no longer with us. But uh, he left a legacy, and I know John uh, and those around him are going to be 
supporting that legacy for a, a long time to come and uh yeah and also happy birthday to your daughter for tomorrow yeah thank you and i will make sure she hears that um and listeners if uh one of the things jerry's mother said when he passed um was he was afraid of being forgotten uh so if you would like to help um, continue his online legacy you can follow him on twitter and instagram obviously he won't be adding any new posts but uh jr hall of horror um all one word so jr like junior hall of horror um you can see his cosplay and the legacy he left behind and um you know share it uh share his messages about cystic fibrosis his journey um and spread the word and that's you know keep him a legacy uh even though he is no longer with us, he cannot be forgotten. So, um, absolutely. Well, Matt, uh, thank you for the the personal drive. But we are here as we do every month because we both love, and I would even argue to say we obsess over movies. Um, <laughs> yes, we, we do. <laughs> we put them ahead of many other things. Um, we schedule our lives partly around uh, our ability to see them. Uh, pay for them and also talk about them um, dinner movies sleep yes i think yes. that's pretty much it exactly um and i'm okay with that to be honest and uh to me. i'm i'm i have the luxury of getting to teach film um which i i don't mean to pat myself on the back but over the last four years since i started burkreviews.com i have become a, a much stronger teacher in general but especially with film um i i just showed uh take shelter to my film two class yes. and the insights that they're having into Jeff Nichols film uh, was, was beyond impressive to me. And also like I'm looking at them going, you guys are really getting like the film process and, and looking at film in a different way. But also I'm looking at myself going, yeah. And you brought them to this place where this whole room you pat yourself on the back, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's an amazing thing to get to share film with people, especially cause it is, I guess it's an amazing thing to get to share something you're passionate about with people and it just so happens to be that i'm passionate about movies um so listeners thank you for one for uh giving us a reason to continue to do these uh podcasts because we like talking about movies and we hope you like listening to us talk about them um and this month matt what'd you think about it uh just kind of going in like it, it's such a it's I, I mean the beginning of every year is always a little slim but this month felt super slim not bad or good just not a lot like almost nothing really came out in march like everything's maybe i, I feel like the summer is going to explode this year yeah this this month is what i'm aiming to be at the end of my um, make-believe diet it was lean it was slim <laughs> um <laughs> and that was a make-believe it is but to the three of the films that came out uh, three of the four we're going to be talking about could be considered you know, well, they are major releases. So yeah. three, it's only one of them. Three of the films are major. And then we usually have uh, a fair few films to talk about afterwards, whether they're streaming, uh, VOD, or obviously theatrical releases. But this month was, there was just nothing. And I had to double check the notes. I was thinking, is that it? But it re the, the films we're talking about today really are it. And I... I'm going to throw out, I think it's, it, it's a mixed bag overall this month, and th this year has been fairly mixed, but March for me was pretty mixed, but it kind of, it, it leans more to one end of the scale than the other, I think. Yeah, I actually, um, I mine definitely, um, there was, 
like unlike January, which had a few really big. I don't even remember some of the movies in January. I just remember being very disappointed with a lot of films in January. Yeah, um, uh, Escape Room and Glass, The Kid Who Would Be King, and yeah, okay, well, The Upside, and then a load of Netflix ones. Oh, I actually liked most of those movies. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was February. I don't know. Um, it's still like I didn't love most of those movies, but I didn't hate them. And I'm I'm on the supportive side of Glass, um, which is now out on VOD. <laughs> but uh, this month I, I'm mostly happy with. But uh, as Matt said, we're gonna talk. We're gonna look at the four major releases from March, which is pretty much all the releases from March. And then uh, <laughs> we'll look at a couple of other ones that uh, Matt and I didn't see anything else. We both did not see the same movies in our extra shorter reviews, but the first four we like to go into quite a bit of detail, but it's important to note we keep it spoiler-free, so even if you have not seen these movies, nothing to worry about here. We will not ruin anything for you. This is more of our personal reactions and thoughts, and we'll talk a little bit about the, the plot and the characters, um, but we'll keep it spoiler-free. Yep, uh, yeah, so don't worry about that, guys, and uh, should we kick off with number one? Let's do it, Matt. What is it? It's number one pretty much in every way for the month, Certainly box office. We're starting with Captain Marvel, directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Stars, of course, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Jim Arn Hunsu, Annette Benin, Jude Law, Lee Pace, Gemma Chan, amongst many others. And just want to quickly start by saying for a film that the internet kept telling me, in fact it was shouting at me, saying this film was going to flop, it's going to be the worst thing ever. It's now part of the billion dollar club. So um, I guess wow. the moral is don't listen to the noises from the basement world. But <laughs> a billion dollars for an origin story of a character that the wider movie-going public probably had no idea who it was, to be fair. Probably just thought... I wonder how many realised it was an actual comic book character and has been made up because it sounds very similar to Captain America. And Captain Marvel does sound quite on the nose, I guess, even for comic book fans. But... I mean, before we go inside the premise, it's set in 1995, so obviously a few decades before Infinity War, um, and it's a pretty simple story. Captain Marvel is caught in the middle of a galactic war between the Kree, who are her people, uh, which are fronted by Jude Law's character Yon Rog, and their enemies, who are the Skrulls, led by Ben Mendelsohn's marvellous Talos. Uh, and she finds herself on Earth, meets up with uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury, and there we go, the story goes on from there, but... Um, what did I think about it? I enjoyed Captain Marvel. It is for me. I found it by numbers in terms of the story and the plot beats that happened, but it was the spectacle and the characters that made it fun. There was quite a playful tone to the film. I thought the uh, screenwriters had some fun with Captain Marvel's dialogue and her interactions with Nick Fury. There were. I thought the first half was okay. The second half, when it, when everything you know really kicks off, was better for me. And for a comic book film, I think it ended well. I've been quite yeah. uh, critical, not harshly, but I'm, a lot of comic book films either just don't seem to know how to finish their films. Captain Mar Marvel surprisingly did. It's nothing. It's not. It's not a groundbreaking, amazing MCU film to me. To me, it's not in the top ten. I don't think. But it is an enjoyable, solid film. Brie Larson is, for the most part, very good as Captain Marvel. At times, I didn't buy her in the action scenes, but I think well, she's a she's a grade A actress. She's an Academy Award winning actress. She can bring talent, and she does. Uh, and I think she's just going to be going to be just fine going forward. Because I think 
the MCU is pretty much going to have her front and centre going forward. Ben Mendelsohn was a blast as Talos. At first I thought, really? Ben Mendelsohn's doing this? Because when you see his character, I thought, is this a... wow. But the more the film went on, I, I really uh, warmed to his character. Jude Law's Jude Law in a leather suit, <laughs> pretty much. But what I didn't like overall were the song choices. Because the mm. film really bashes you around the head that this is set in the 90s. I don't mind some of the visuals. It's good to see Blockbuster. But some, the, the songs didn't always work. We had things like Garbage and Only Happy When It Rains. Nirvana's awesome, Come As You Are. But to me, they didn't fit all the, uh, particularly well with what was happening on the screen. There were lots of other song choices, but I didn't always, especially, especially Come As You Are, that came out of nowhere for me, and I it thought did. it doesn't work. And I'm surprised they got the license to use it. But So I guess what I'm trying to say, Captain Marvel is a very decent MCU film. It's not one of the top ten for me. I had a lot of fun with it, and I think that's one of the things that has going for it. It's fun. We know what's coming next with Endgame. It probably won't be all that fun in, uh, in comparison to something like this or Ant-Man and those kind of films. But this was a nice palate cleanser and appetizer before we get the... Uh, Probably the biggest film of the year in the next few weeks, but I didn't mind Captain Marvel. I thought it was pretty good, but I know you're a you're a bigger comic book fan. So what did you think of it? Well, I am um I am a DC comic fan more as far as I read way more DC comics than I ever did Marvel, um, with the exception of Spider Man and X Men. But I am still like a general comic book fan, and so I um I uh, was familiar with Captain Marvel to a degree, and so for me the story worked well in a lot of different regards because they did some things that I didn't expect which I won't say what because that would be a spoiler um, I, I thought Brie Larson and Sam Jackson's chemistry was so great that agree. It, it turned into almost like a buddy cop comedy which I'm a fan of I like the buddy cop comedy uh, going back to Lethal Weapon even you know um, so I enjoyed their, their dynamic I thought Sam Jackson was amazing in this movie um, especially uh, I've listened to several reviews of this film um, the Last Picture Show, I think, is one podcast that uh, I really liked kind of their... I'm sorry, it's the next picture show based on The Last Picture Show, which is a Jeff Bridges movie that I just watched. Um, their take on it, uh, I thought, had some really good insight. And one of the things that they said, which I think was from a Vulture article, was that Sam Jackson is uh, not a fan of cats. And I think Brie hmm. Larson is, like, really allergic to cats. And yeah, so, that's right. yeah. Um, the the two of them interacting with the cat, who is a great addition to the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, um, Goose Goose was really great. Obviously, a cool Top Gun nod there too. Um, I am uh, Ben Mendelsohn is continuing to to become a favorite of mine. Um, I really thought he was he's kind of. I don't think it's his performance, but I think his character in Ready Player One was kind of weak. Especially, I've rewatched Ready Player One a couple of times, and I, I don't love the dynamic so much. But Ooh. I um, I love him in a lot of other movies. And this one is a great one. I don't know if you've seen any of Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck's other films. But um, I may have done, because one's springing to mind, but I can't think of what it's called. Mississippi Grind and Half Nelson are the two that I've seen. Half Nelson I've seen. Yeah, um, I, am a, I am a big fan of both of those. Um, I've heard arguments that their their style is not present in Captain Marvel, and I wouldn't disagree, but I also still feel like uh, tonally um, they have some things. 
some like I think a lot of the music choices feel ham-fisted by the studio. Like we we mm-hmm. need to make sure people know this is in the '90s and let's make it as '90s as possible. Even there's like a scene where she she picks a T-shirt that's very '90s and obviously like you the, the blockbuster was prominent in the in the trailer. So if you've seen the trailer, that's not a spoiler at all. And it's still early in the movie when blockbuster shows up and it has no relevance to the plot it's just one of those nostalgia things to make sure we get it and for me as a movie person it does it it clicks that it's blockbuster i miss blockbuster um and not even the brand i miss going to rent videos from a store because i miss the smell of the shop yeah and even like the personal recommendations and and talking to people and being able to physically hold it and read the back of the box was always it's an experience that i miss um I used to like going there, not knowing of the film I wanted, but actually be there. Would there be a cassette behind behind the title, or would I be disappointed getting there? I always used to, that used to make me excited for some reason. Now it would make me furious. Yeah, for for sure, because I'm so used to having it instantly available. <laughs> exactly. Right? Um, I I don't know uh, where I would rank this exactly. I currently have it above a couple of movies that I need to revisit. Um, I would say I have it at number 10 in the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. So technically in my top 10. Um, but like I have behind it Avengers and Civil War, which I haven't, I've, wow. I've seen both of those a couple times, but um, Civil War, I liked the fight scene and there's some really cool stuff in Civil War, but I do think that there's, you know, like some of it seems from my recollection, there were things I didn't like about Civil War and uh, Avengers. I love the movie. But it, the first forty minutes or so is—it's it, not fun to rewatch. Um, you know, it's a lot of you know getting the team together, and it's not fun getting the team together. But once the team's together, the Avengers is amazing, right? Like, um, and I think the first time I saw it, I thought the whole thing was amazing. But in rewatching, you're like, okay, okay, let's get to the good stuff because like this is <laughs> a lot of you know we know where it's going, especially you know now we're twenty films in, I know where we're gonna end up. Um, so like those have fallen from grace a little for me over time, but that's not a criticism because again, the only MCU films that I think are like genuinely bad are like Hulk, uh, Thor, the dark world and Iron Man three, you know, every, all the other ones I like mostly, you know? So, uh, this movie is, I think in the middle though, I don't think it's the the best, but I think it's solid. I think it's got a lot of things that are good for it. It does have my favorite Stan Lee cameo. I won't say why, but it is my absolute favorite in the MCU um, for, you know, one, it is because it's, it's the first one since he's passed, right? Like, I mean, unless you it count is, Spider-Verse, um, but it's a, yeah, the first live action. Yeah. If you will, yeah. So it, it's touching for that reason. But then there's also what, what he's doing in the cameo uh, appeals to me on a big level for personal reasons that I, again, won't won't include but if you see it or if you've seen it and you've listened to me or read my stuff you know why you know why it matters so much to me and um it's it's really great so it has that too um but again the cast was strong i think and one of the things i want to point out though because this is another marvel film where we brought in some indie directors to do the big budget film we've had that recently black panther we had ryan coogler his third film is freaking black panther you know like the dude went from Fruitvale Station, which is very quiet. Creed, which was moderately budgeted, Creed. but still a very straightforward, you know, drama to a big multi-million dollar, you know, CG crazy fest that for the most part's amazing, but the CG is not, right? Like, especially that big fight at the Some end. Some of it is horrendous. Right. 
Then you look at Taika Waititi, who's done mainly indie dramas or indie comedies, and then he gets to Thor Ragnarok. The the comedy is super strong in Thor Ragnarok, but the CG action sequences are pretty bad again. So where I thought Bowden and Fleck nailed it is I don't think the CG is bad ever in Captain Marvel, and more importantly, um, they de-age Sam Jackson. Now I know they're not the ones doing it, right? But what what went wrong with Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok with their CG compared to this? I don't know if it belongs to the directors. But I was happy that I was never looking at um, Captain Marvel going, the CG looks crappy. Because I did that multiple times in Thor Ragnarok and in Black Panther. So I, I want to at least give them that praise for anything else that people might want to criticize. Um, and again, I don't know how much real power they get uh, with these Marvel movies. Um, Edgar Wright you know, famously walked away from Ant-Man because of uh, creative differences. And I think there was another big name actor, uh, not actor, director, who walked away um, because of something similar. I can't remember who now. But um, I would have loved to see the Edgar Wright take on Ant-Man. Um, I hear the first script is similar, but not exact. Uh, you know, but I, I was mostly content with what Captain Marvel did. I, I had no major issues. Um, I, I think there's a lot of good there. I think her friendship uh, in the film with... Um, her name's not on the list... Uh, was really good oh, though. Um, um, I can't think. Yeah, I can't think of your main. I'll, I'll grab the name for you while you talk. But uh, I thought that relationship and how they developed it. Um, I thought the use of flashback was well done. And um, I've heard a lot of people complain about the first half of the movie. Uh, you included. Now, um, I was never bored in this film. Like, and I don't know if it's maybe because I knew about the Kree and I knew about the scroll from watching like the animated cartoons back in the days and I've I've done enough I've played enough Marvel related video games to know C- Carol Danvers and Miss, and Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel um that I was I was in from the get go like I like the opening training sequences and um I there's a, a some deviations from the comics which all the Marvel movies deviate a little bit but I, and again I've never read the Captain Marvel books but I know enough about them um, to know what the deviations are, but, um, I, I had no issues with that, and, you know, uh, uh, seeing Annette Benning in this movie, too, was, like, really cool, because she's such a prestige <laughs> actress, like, to have her in an MCU film, which they've gotten a few of those, I mean, um, but Robert Helen... Robert Redford? Yeah, yeah, which, that one was not my favorite, but, um, <laughs> is, uh, is Helen Mirren in Guardians? Or, uh, Helen Judy Mirren. Dench? One of them... I can't remember. It's like the head of the Nova Squad in Guardians. I can't think of who it was, but either way, Marvel's. He's one of our esteemed actresses. Mm-hmm. So no, I can't see her in Guardians. Lashana Lynch, by the way, was the uh, lady you were thinking of earlier. Got it. Um, but I I like Captain Marvel, and I'm definitely uh, glad to see them finally giving a uh, female superhero a lead movie. It should have been Black Widow first, solely because she was established. But I do like this movie, so I'm very content with it. So, I'm Glenn glad Close. you mentioned the de Glenn Close. Oh, Glenn Close. That's yes, Glenn Close. God bless you, Glenn Close. I'm glad you mentioned that de aging because I was meant to. Uh, uh, as soon as you, as soon as you started talking, I thought I forgot to mention that. I thought it was brilliant. I yeah. didn't. I didn't at one point during the film. Once I realised. You know, that was a younger Sam Jackson. I never thought about it for the rest of the film. And I, I say that hand on heart. It was that well done. There's some pretty cool uh, nods to things like Pulp Fiction in there as well. And you mentioned the indie directors. 
the Russo brothers. I mean, before yeah. like, before they did Captain America: The Winter Soldier, eight years before that they did You, Me, and Dupree, and then four years before that they did another film, um, Welcome to Collinwood. So they'd only done two films, and one of them was What You, Me, and Dupree, and then there was an eight-year gap between you know doing any kind of feature film before they did Captain America: The Winter Soldier. So. And look where they've gone on to now. So they did a lot of TV in between, but yeah. Marvel do have a track record of handing not un, not untested directors, but I mean certainly untested in the world of big budget uh, films, and giving them a start, which is uh, which is always good to see. And I mean, I I ended my review of Captain Marvel on this, and I think this is the most important thing, regardless of what the world tells you. That this is a timely movie. We've had Wonder Woman, of course, which uh, opened the barriers. And in this world of representation, which we quite rightly are starting to get both feet into the water now, if this inspires young girls to believe in themselves and give them the confidence to just go out there and face whatever, then that's more important than my, this review, our review, or any review could be. So if this film can go any way to doing that, then let's have more and more of them please because that's going to only be a good thing and one thing I want to point out too is one of the criticisms I hear about the director phenomenon that you just mentioned is a lot of critics are complain like I'd rather have this indie director make another great indie film than one of these big tent poles but to me I like people to learn about movies and so my hope is that they see Captain Marvel that they go who directed this oh Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck what else have they made because of the ease mm-hmm, of the exactly. internet and then they go back and watch some of their other movies, which totally are very different, especially Half Nelson. Half Nelson is not an easy watch, but it's an amazing movie. Uh, Mississippi Grind stars Ben Mendelsohn and Ryan Reynolds, and it's great. Um, it's actually a whole... It's it's also... I wouldn't say it's a lot of fun. There's some fun moments in it. It is about gambling addiction, so it's it's going to have some sadness in it. Um, Mendelsohn is really good at playing that kind of um, optimistic loser, you know, like where you, you really yeah. want them to do well, but... God, they're going to make stupid choice after stupid choice, and yet you still root for them. Um, he did that in Private Life, uh, which is a Netflix film that most people haven't heard about, and it's a shame. Um, but I think that's good for Captain Marvel. Um, you ready to move into the second movie? Let's rock on. So this is the film uh, I mentioned earlier, Five Feet Apart. Um, it is a melodrama, so know that going in. Uh, it's definitely going to you know, go for the emotions um, a pair of teenagers with cystic fibrosis meet in a hospital and fall in love, but at the, you know, discouragement of the medical staff. Um, Haley Lou Richardson, who is one of the best working actresses today, especially young actresses that not yeah. enough people have seen because a lot of her films are very independent. This is by far her biggest leading role. Um, she plays Stella. Cole Sprouse plays Will. Cole Sprouse uh, famously has been around since Big Daddy. Um, where he was one of the two twins playing uh, the kid in Big Daddy. But then he was on Sweet Life with Zack and Cody, many Danimals commercials, and is currently rocking the Jughead emo character on Riverdale. Um, <laughs> then we got to mention Moses Arias, who plays Poe, Kimberly Herbert Gregory, and uh, just kind of a crazy little nod here. Um, there's a weird connection to Captain Marvel in this movie that I'm just going to say uh, Claire Forlani. Uh, plays uh, a character in Mallrats. She's the lead love interest of the main character, um, and she plays Cole Sprouse's mom in a very small part, but nonetheless in this movie. So I thought that's kind of a cool little crossover connection. Um, directed by Justin Baldoni, who hasn't done too much 
in way of film. I think he's done a lot more TV and a lot of teen TV at that. Um, but I went into this movie um, mentioning that I already had a connection to CF because of Jerry. Oh. And so I went in a little apprehensive. Um, I went in kind of resistant to this whole melodrama. Like, I know this movie's going to want to make me cry because it's about, uh, you know, they're not teenagers. They're actually in their 20s, so they are a little older. But um, that they are they are both in bad, dire straits with CF. Uh, Haley Lou Richardson's character is waiting on a lung transplant, and Cole Sprouse's character, Will, is basically not eligible for a lung transplant because of the type of bacteria he currently has in his lungs that makes him not operable, but they're trying a new experimental medication. Um, the big thing that you need to understand about this movie, which is overly explained in the trailer even, is the name of it, Five Feet Apart, is because uh, CF patients can not can spread each other's bacteria and cause their CF to get worse and make them, again, ineligible for a lung transplant. So they must be at least, they say in the movie actually, six feet apart. Um, but five feet being a... Uh, kind of a concession that the two make. Um, I found this film to be uh, exactly what I thought in terms of melodrama. It did make me cry. I think I cried a total of five times. Um, I I <laughs> loved both of the characters, and uh, Cole Sprouse's character took me a little while to get behind, but I think part of that was kind of my like reticence to take him seriously as an actor, because I don't know if you've ever seen Sweet Life with Zack and Cody, Matt, but my daughter was the age where Disney was on when that show was on, like in my house, and I could not stand them on that show. The acting is so bad, and most Disney shows are. It's not even necessarily the acting fault. It could just be the writing is so bad. But I went in with little expectation of of liking this movie and ended up really enjoying it. Um, I do like melodramas. I do like romances. Um, Fault in Our Stars was a really great example in a movie that I can't help but compare this one to. Um... I, I was very resistant to Fault in Our Stars. I waited for a long time to watch it, and then I, when I finally did, I loved it. I like this more. Um, I think Haley Lou Richardson is a better actress than Shailene Woodley. Um, and I like Ansel Elgort, but I I don't know. There, Ansel feels like he's acting in Fault in Our Stars. Uh, Cole Sprouse just seems kind of genuinely charming in this movie to me. And I, I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, I won't say what happens, of course. And it may or may not be what you think will happen. Um, but I do say go in with an open mind and kind of take the film for what it is. Uh, there were a few moments where I did roll my eyes. Um, so the melodrama hits hard in a couple of spots, but I always felt like it redeemed himself, especially because I was very connected to the characters in the film, not just the two leads either. Uh, Poe really won me over a lot. I really enjoyed his character, um, so much, uh, that I was pleasantly surprised with this film so i'm not sure Matt. how did it hit for you um yeah i i enjoyed the film and i agree on Haley lou richardson she's she's one of those to me she's an actress who is kind of just on the fringes now waiting to of just breaking out because she yep. was she was so good in split obviously the edge of 70 columbus columbus um, is so a couple good years ago as well she's just one of those actresses who sort of kind of turns up and just puts in a hell of a shift every time you see her Regardless of what she's in, and she is and uh, and Cole Sprouse together are what sold this film for me. I will say that the comparisons to Fault, the Fault in Our Stars are you cannot you know as soon as I started watching the film, I thought this reminds me of that Ansel got film a few years ago, mm-hmm. which I liked, and I still prefer that film. I think 
but I I enjoyed Five Feet Apart. It is it does get extremely melodramatic, obviously at parts, and like John said, there are some parts where you where you, like, you will jump the shark and think, oh. yeah. But I, Richardson and Sprouse hold the film together for me. Uh, Moses Arias as Poe, and I couldn't get over the fact that it's called Poe, P-O-E, yeah. as in Poe Dameron. But those two together had a great chemistry. They sold the film, and Hayley Richardson was just so good. Even though I, even though in the real world, you know, um, his uh, Sprouse's character Will was the complete opposite of anything that Hayley Lewis's character would ever go for. Yeah. But as a film, it's nothing you haven't seen before. I don't think. Uh, I I think it's very good. I think it's great that they are shining a light on CF. Yes. Because it's not something that is. I can't think of many of any films that have put this much of a spotlight in such a kind of mainstream way. So that is a good, that is always going to be a good thing. But I don't know. I, oh, I enjoyed the film. I didn't love it, but what I did like was that it wasn't manipulative. And sometimes you can get films, sort of melodramatic young adult films like this, can try too hard to go for the jugular and try to manipulate your feelings. I didn't, I didn't feel that five feet apart did that. I didn't either. Uh, which, yeah, which is pr- brilliant for me because there's no denying. Obviously, any of the sadness or power throughout the film that is there, whether you want it to affect you or not, it will do because it is so yeah. well presented. And of just, of course, just the overall overarching theme of what's going on, and just you know how the the I I was not aware of the six foot rule. This is something which I have learned. It's raised awareness for me. I was not aware of that. Now I am. I have a greater understanding uh, and appreciation of. Of this, but I had I had no idea about it. But no, I I liked the film. I thought, yeah, it, at times it became a bit too formulaic, and there was too many too many uh, conventions at play, which I'd seen before. But it doesn't mean it's a bad film. It's a very to me, it's a very decent film, anchored by two extremely good lead performances. Yep. And I would like, if it's okay, uh, I'm gonna read what Jerry wrote about the film. He was not able to see it. But um, he did have some some thoughts he wanted to put out in the world, so it's not very long. But it's uh, for those seeing Five Feet Apart, I can't say much on it due to me not seeing it as of yet. However, what I can say is that go into this movie knowing that cystic fibrosis has dozens of different genetic codes affecting each patient in different ways. At the core, we have the same disease. However, just like any illness, the smallest thing could be slightly different. From what I have heard, is it is mostly a good representation of what we experience. Just remember that this is not something we deal with within a movie's time. It's an entire lifetime of problems and hardships. Not all of us are lucky enough to receive a transplant, and sometimes it gets to a point where we can't stand up or sit up without being short-winded. As for the five feet apart rule, it's a fairly recent rule, but it's a rule for a reason. There are some loopholes and situations that can call for exceptions, but it's in the best interest for the uh, this rule to be upheld. Um, and I really, uh, he recommends that you go to cff.org. So that's the website, cff.org. Um, the, uh, if you want more information or if you want to help donate, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, this film, uh, it hit me hard even then. And then now that Jerry has passed, it's a film I'm wondering if I'll be able to sit through again without just breaking down the mm-hmm. entire time. Cause I already, like I said, I cried several times. And that was for the characters in the movie because they do a really good job of making these people feel real, feel lived in. 
Um, they have a, a fairly rich backstory, in my opinion, um, especially Haley Lee Richardson's character, Stella. Um, yeah, the screenwriter spent the first portion of the film. I, I, I appreciate the fact that they gave us a chance to get to know these people. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, I think they may find the first half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe even the first hour, quite slow going, some people may find, because they are, you know, like you say, dove, diving into the characters so we can care for, more for them going ahead. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and it's one of those things, I hope people have not lost the patience to getting to know somebody. I don't think you're wrong, but I do, I, I hope people realize, like, yeah, no, remember, like, this is how we deal with real people, too, is, like, you get to know them. Oh, I hope so, too, yeah. yeah but, no, I, I think you're completely right. I'm just, I, it makes me sad that that's the case. Um, people want uh, movies to jump in so quickly, mm-hmm. um, and often we'll say, oh, it's boring because we have to learn things. But I'll say it, you know, there's hope. Uh, again, I have a room full of, like, 17-year-olds or 16 or 17-year-olds sitting through, like, a Jeff Nichols film, and they're going to watch Patterson next week. Um, which is slow going and I, I wasn't sure how they were taking to take shelter and no, they, they took to it very, very well. Um, very much enjoyed it. And so I am, uh, you know, it, it's possible for people to learn to sit with a movie, uh, even young people today. Who's, uh, it's always said that young people today's attention spans are ruined because of their smartphones. They need constant stimulus. I don't know if you've seen, uh, I know you have, but I don't know if listeners, if you've seen Jeff Nichols take shelter, but there are plenty of quiet moments and a lot of talky moments. Um, there's a lot of dialogue in Jeff Nichols' films um, or monologues, and my students were were in it the whole time. And again, yes, they are technically film students, but not all of them are looking to become filmmakers or film writers. Some of them just like my elective as their choice, you know, mm-hmm. something they enjoy doing now. But this might be where it ends, so it's possible to to get past the the need for instant action or instant gratification from a movie like give it a give it a chance because if you sit with it sometimes it'll pay off and i i do think this movie does a good job with that of really giving us some characters that you will care about which gets that emotional reaction from you later in the film yeah and i I concur with that especially on patterson because patterson is essentially a a small slice of life yeah nothing essentially happens in the film but um but for those who haven't seen it for my opinion, it's a damn fine film. It's such a guy. I was so surprised by Patterson because I read the synopsis and thought, "What?" And I knew obviously Jim Jarmusch directs it, so I, I kind of had an understanding of what I was getting into. But I, I sat down and watched it and was just absolutely hooked by it. And it's one of those films where you know not an awful lot happens, but it you, I, you can't take your eyes off it for me. I agree. But um, uh, yeah, stay with this film whilst. Whilst for me it was just a very decent film, stay with it because it's it's not a bad film. The the if the characters can't keep you invested, then the performances should do because they are really good performances from two very decent young actors and actors. So, yeah, give this one if you haven't watched it, give it a chance because uh, uh, it certainly raised an awful lot of awareness to me just in the hour and forty odd minutes the film was on. So. All right, well, let's go to uh, film number three for the month of March. Uh, I have the pleasure of announcing this one. Uh, number three is wait, Dumbo. Wait, wait, wait. No, let's go back. Do it as Michael Buffer. Cause... Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right, I will, I'll cut this bit out. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, the, he was, I've mentioned him in my review. Let's get ready for Dumbo. Oh, if you could do that in the Michael Buffer voice, I could do it now, but 
I may end up um, regretting it seconds later. <laughs> Dumbo, the 2019 version, of course, directed by Tim Burton. Uh, I had a cast of Colin Farrell, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Eva Green, uh, and Alan Arkin found his way in there as well. Um, four. I've mentioned before to John and on other shows, astrologies and that and that. Dumbo just kind of seemed to be under the radar for me. It's a big, it's a Disney film, a reimagining, reboot, redo of an old um, 1941 classic. But over here, but I was just had no buzz for this. I know, and it did kick up eventually the marketing, but I really wasn't overly excited for this film, and uh, so it showed in the final products. I really didn't get much from Dumbo. I mean, the original one was an hour long. Yeah, uh, about a baby elephant overcoming obstacles and proving that anything can be done if you really put your mind to it. Brilliant, lovely uh, message and morals there. And this film is similar, but you know where that first film ended, this one starts. So then they've got to find another hour and a half, hour and forty minutes worth of um, worth of material. And uh, Tim Burton really stretches this story out for me. Um, uh, it did when I when when I, when I knew Tim Burton was on the film. I thought, great, not a bad start. I saw the cast. Okay, uh, this excites me. If the film, the idea of Dumbo doesn't, the cast and the director does. But everything's so muted. Colin Farrell's wasted, I found. Eva Green is affable but underwhelming, and that's no fault of her own. Mm. Michael Keaton is cardboard. This is Michael Keaton and Tim Burton back together again. Young Nico Parker, who was the young girl leading the film, she had... Dad, yeah, dude, it's too flat for me. Yeah, and everything felt muted for me. The the visuals in a Tim Burton film didn't grab me. It didn't, you know, I wasn't wowed by what I saw. And to be honest, I think this is Tim Burton's safest movie he's ever done. Yeah, he he really plays it straight here. What what I did like, actually, I'll get to that in a minute. What I didn't like was the screenplay. Like I said, that was full of cliche. The major moments of which we are, I thought we were supposed to be getting invested in and being on the edge of our seat were unexciting and I this could have been a really good story I think a longer and stronger Dumbo could have been really good but it's it tries too hard to capture nostalgia whilst also being far too contemporary and Michael Buffer is one of those reasons oh, man. having him come on coming on saying let's get ready for Dumbo oh and he doesn't just say it once he really says it about three or four times and it's I'm aware of Michael Buffer everybody's aware even if they don't know his name everybody knows the voice from heavyweight, from just boxing all over. Seeing him on, I was like, this just reminds me of Saturday Night Fight Live or something, or the Anthony Joshua fight recently, or whatever. It's The kids will like Dumbo. That's the most important thing for me. Children, I think, will enjoy this. If they can get past the fact that it does dip and lull in story, the circus acts, the animals, the colours, and Dumbo himself will appeal to the kids. And Dumbo is probably the, that little dude is the star of the show, yeah. even if the animation isn't always brilliant. His little face made me so pleased. Even I, I even couldn't get the meme out of my head of do you know where I do you know how I got these ears when he's all painted up like Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh but man, I it it lacked heart for me, which is strange for a Disney film. And this could have been a bit akin to kind of like a Big Fish type thing for me for Tim Burton, kind of strange, wacky, out there kind of story. But in but with heart, uh, uh, with an ending which could just grab me and make me bawl my eyes out. But Dumbo didn't. And for me, my initial kind of scepticism and lack of hype seems to have been rewarded with a film which I would describe as essentially just perfunctory. Yeah. That's how I describe it. 
Um, how did you see it, or am I really batting on the wrong side? No, I think you're you're spot on. Um, I I did like Eva Green a little more than you, and I I didn't think Michael Keaton was wooden. Um, it's still muted though. I think muted is the best word to describe this movie. Everything, even the colors, feel downplayed and kind of dim. Mm-hmm. And um, the only thing that I feel like even resembles a Burton film isn't even the aesthetic, like it usually is. It does the aesthetic is just kind of generic circus. Um, it's the one theme that I think is consistent in all this stuff. It's the idea of freaks not fitting in, and this one is full of freaks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Colin Farrell's character is missing an arm, and everyone's looking at him differently because of it. Um, his daughter, who's grown up in a circus, wants to be a scientist, even though nothing about her performance says that. I want to blame Burton for her performance, because I feel like his take is like, well, scientists are boring, so be boring. That's yeah. what I, I, I want to believe, that because I don't want to criticize a child actress, Um I don't criticize any of the actors or actresses. It's yeah, it's the direction which got me. Um, and uh, Burton, you know, yes, true, yes, Dumbo's a freak, and and Devito's a freak because he has a fake twin brother, and it's the brother circus. But there's only one. Michael Keaton is such a con man that he doesn't even seem to know his own um, accent, which I loved. I actually heard someone <laughs> criticize his performance, and I was like, um, did you not notice it shift a whole bunch? It's not he couldn't. It's not Leo DiCaprio in Gangs of New York going in and out of an Irish accent. It is a clearly deliberate accent changing uh, because the character is so full of crap. And I, I That was great. And But like of all the wasted, act, Alan Arkin in that tiny role is so ridiculous. But um, Dumbo is the best thing about this, but he is he doesn't feel like the main character, um, even though he's the titular character. Uh, it's an ensemble movie, and I think that's also where it went really wrong with the writing is it's like give us a clear focus because there isn't like you can do an ensemble well but this isn't done well like none of it really arcs it just kind of moves i would say eva green's character gets the most to do in this movie but she comes in so late that if she were like the main character if she were there from the get-go fine but there's so many things happening in this movie and it does feel like it's just trying to make more of a simple story then why not keep the simple story like make sure you at least tell the simple story well because there is a uh plot convenience in this movie where like like what are the odds that this particular thing would have happened mm-hmm. the way it happened that i i can't fathom um how they thought it was a, a good bit of writing to include it and um yeah i i again it sounds like we hated this movie and it's it's actually more like i think we're indifferent to this movie it's just yeah. mediocre there's nothing outstanding there's a couple of cool visual sequences. Again, Dumbo's cute enough to make you at least have a little bit of emotion to the film. But overall, no, the characters don't do it. Like, you don't get sucked into any of them. You're not really rooting for anybody outside the elephant. And the only reason why you're rooting for the elephant is because he's adorable. It's not really because they develop him or anything like that. It's just there. Um, there's some really bad dialogue. And again, a lot of the plot stuff is just super weak. There is some laughable moments, and I, Devito's uh, interactions with the strongman crack me up quite a bit, but not not a lot. Just it, it made me chuckle, and that was that was probably the most enjoyment I got from the film. So I remember those scenes, but yeah, uh, forgettable. I, I really I'm anticipating that being a recurring phrase this year with Aladdin end. I'm I'm on the fence about Lion King. Um, I, John Favreau did a solid job with uh, Jungle Book, but I don't know, man. I don't know if you can recreate the magic that The Lion King had for so many audiences. And 
I will. I think I've said it before, and I, I'm I'm not of the strong opinion of the world, but I don't love The Lion King. Um, I, it came out a weird time for me. I, I watched it. I think I think it was too sad for me as when it came out, and I kind of never wanted to rewatch it. Um, I don't have that attachment to it that a lot of other people have, but I feel like it's still just going to feel like a shadow of the original. And that's like Disney take some chances, man. Make a new movie. Like you've done some really great stuff. Look at Tangled. Tangled is great. Uh, Princess and the Frog is really good. And then now and Frozen, which yes, it got we all got burnt out on it, but it was great when it came out. It was a surprise. You know, look at this marvelous film about sisterhood. And now it's like okay, we've we've apparently run out of new content. We're just gonna remake or make more sequels. Toy Story Four, also not looking forward to. Ugh. Um. You know, so I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I have not liked most of their live action adaptations. Um, I I was one of the biggest detractors from Beauty and the Beast. I thought that was one of the worst things they could have done to that movie because I love the animated Beauty and the Beast, and the songs were just so bad compared to the originals. Um, I don't know. I I, I wish they they would stop. Uh, I'm really not looking forward to Aladdin. Um, I don't know. I, I think it needs to go back to the drawing board, Disney. Let's one slow down. You don't have to have three of them in one freaking year. Because no. and Aladdin does look doesn't look great. No, I don't think. No, the trailer but, is not instilling any kind of hope. I mean, they gave us a wrinkle in time and the Nutcracker in the Four Realms, which didn't go down well at all. That's a good point. So I guess they like, I guess they kind of have to rely on. It's, it's, uh, Disney's a strange studio at the minute because they are relying on reboots or reimaginings of their classic works to bring in the money again it's not like they're short of a no few and pounds let's not forget they own marvel and lucasfilm exactly <laughs> and start lucasfilm and marvel and now are fox. bringing in the readies but then they and, and fox which so basically they own half of they monopolize most things yeah but their own uh, recently anyway their own um offerings haven't been actually that good they're certainly not or, or, or are we just too desensitized to the magic of Disney because or was it that wrinkle in time and Nutcracker just weren't that good of films maybe more towards the latter but um, we had Batman and the Penguin were in this film as well what a say <laughs> it, it was like a proper Tim Burton reunion there yeah, but yeah I wouldn't say on, on what you said earlier on firstly uh, indifferent is the exact word for this film I don't hate this film I know I really went off on it but it, it's just again I was just kind of like why 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 Basically, well, we got this film, and again, I sound like the broken record. I hate the phrase "we don't need to have to have this film made." I hate that phrase. But why? I mean, this Dumbo was fine as it was. It worked as a short story for an hour, and now dragging this thing out for nearly two hours. Yeah, it didn't work. And Michael Keaton, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't bad. I just thought his character yeah, was just very okay. cardboard. And I agree Archetype. with the sort of shifting tones of his character and how he couldn't put a finger on his own pulse. But there was just. I, I, I watch Michael Keaton and 99% of the time I love watching Michael Keaton I mean something like The Founder a few years ago uh-huh. he was devilishly good in that film and it just reminded me what a good actor he was like Birdman as well but then I see this and I think I like you because you're Michael Keaton but I still can't get into the character which agreed for me is when I know there's an issue when I can't get into Michael Ke- Keaton and Colin Farrell we've spoken yeah. many times about how how we, we ship Colin Farrell, we are we love we are fans of Colin Farrell, but and even even his character just didn't. None of the characters grabbed me and made me feel sympathetic to their cause, other than the animated elephant. So um, 
that kind of summed Dumbo up for me. So I, yeah, yeah, I didn't hate the film. I just wasn't well. I was as sold as I thought I was going to be on it, which is quite sad for me to say about a beloved Disney film. Agreed. Um, and I think much like it seems that people are going to see it, I think we're done with it. Um, <laughs> let's move on to our last movie of the month, and I think uh, for a lot of people, one of the most hyped movies of the year. Um, and it was Jordan Peele's new horror thriller, Us. Um, the plot synopsis of Family Serene Beach Vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear to begin appear and then begin to terrorize them. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moth, Tim Heidecker, um, Shahadi Wright Joseph, Evan Alex um, are our leads, and uh, we gotta at least mention the twins, Callie Sheldon and noel sheldon because they get a big part and madison curry who plays the young adelaide um i i loved get out um i was i think maybe among the people who were so surprised that jordan peele who we associate with comedy um was able and uh, i was a fan of keanu uh the year before get out came out um their Mm -hmm. their first like leading movie together but um after watching Get Out, I saw Get Out twice in the theater, and I, I listened to uh, Jordan was on an episode of the at the time Nerdist podcast, um, and he, like he really got to like I got to hear him talk about how much he loved horror and how he grew up with horror, and um, I am uh, I have a, a weird relationship with horror. I like I am not opposed to the genre. <laughs> I do have a, a, a apparent a tendency to dislike a lot of mainstream horror films that people like kind of put up there at the upper echelon but um get out is the type of horror film that really worked for me and so was us um i loved us uh in fact the more i've sat with it the more i've come to appreciate it It, i I gotta even say i may love jordan peele as a filmmaker more than i even love his movies i i love knowing that he is kind of a tarantino-esque because he's a movie buff he's a movie fanatic he's a person who loves film and the art behind it and he crafts an amazing world um and one of the complaints i've heard about this is uh versus get out where get out is very contained it's very small us uh bridges out and it starts to expand outward making it a much more vast world and i've heard some complaints and criticisms about that none of those Mm. were none of those were things that i took issue with in the film um i thought the performances uh lupita nyongo i know uh, given that this movie is out now if she gets an oscar nomination it will be justified I don't know if it'll be forgotten by then, but man, what a crazy performance having to do that dual role and being so different in that role too. Um, I, I, I liked Winston Duke, although um, I, his he br- brought an air of comedy that I think Little Rel did in uh, Get Out, and Get Out, yeah. Winston reminded me of that role, and I don't think he did it as well um, as what Little Rel was able to do. It there were times where Winston Duke's performance felt maybe too unrealistic at times but I, I i let that slide i felt like that was the uh the heightened sense of the film that it was just part of it um and there are some issues that i had with like if i overanalyze like logic to this movie like i'm like well that why would this happen and what but then i i kept reminding myself something i don't always do but i kept reminding myself this is a, a parable this is meant to be an analogy for something bigger this is not supposed to be strictly taken at its surface level um and i do think within the film the most of it it follows its own rules there are some things we don't get told we're not explained 
and I, I don't need a filmmaker to explain everything to me, but there are some things that when you start to ask questions, they start to feel like they fall apart. But the deeper things that you can get from this movie, and the beauty is that I've heard so many different interpretations, and all of them seem fair and valid, and that's what makes this movie, to me, so great, is that it is going to speak to people in a variety of ways, and um, there's so many cool YouTube videos out right now with people kind of giving their thoughts on it. All of them are spoiler-heavy, so don't go to watch those until you've seen us. Um, we are keeping it spoiler-free, so I will not share any of my interpretations of the film, um, because I, I don't want to give anything away and I also don't want to, I don't want you to project my point of view onto the film and that's how you see it. I think you should see it kind of pure the first time and interpret it as you interpret it. And then once you have a, a take on it or you hear other takes, seeing it a second or third or fourth or fifth time might pay off in uh, huge ways. I am looking forward to seeing this again. I kind of want to go see it in the theater again. Um, and I may do that before it's out, um, but it's doing so well at the box office that it's really uh, encouraging. I think we are witnessing um, that level of filmmaker that we get with Tarantino or that we get with, um, you know, like a Wes Anderson where you're seeing a real auteur kind of step into their own. I guess if we're going to compare like to a horror director, this is, I think, our next James Wan, you know, where uh, mm. we're going to get that, that level of... Uh, Hopefully not necessarily a universe, because I do think the Conjuring universe needs to fade away quickly. Because um, <laughs> apparently the La Lorena movie that's coming out is in the Conjuring universe, um, by the way. Uh, They've got a Crooked Man film coming out apparently as well. And another Annabelle movie comes out this summer. And the Conjuring 4, 3 is in production yeah so calm the hell down james wan is what i'm saying but <laughs> um but i do like uh i like how wan was able to make the horror genre kind of not relevant again but he brought it back to the mainstream in an interesting way that people are connecting to and um and he brought us david's uh david f sandberg i think is his name yes right, um yeah. who, who i loved lights out i actually i i showed lights out as a short film and then he did the feature length film, and then he did Annabelle Creation, and he just did Shazam, um, which I can't help but think Juan brought him to the to the comic book world, seeing as that Juan did Aquaman. Mm -hmm. And That's a good point. Uh, here's you know uh, Sandberg, and I I won't spoil anything from Shazam, but there's definitely some like DC extended universe references built into Shazam. Some of those are seen in the trailer actually, but um, nonetheless. I think Peel is that level. I think we have. Uh, I think this film proves that he's an excellent filmmaker. Again, you may not like the story, um, you may not find it scary, which I still think is the worst thing that ever happened to the horror genre. Was that we turned the word horror to mean scary, and that mm -hmm. is not at all what it's supposed to mean. That's a great point. Um, and I, I don't know that I was, I wasn't traditionally scared in this movie. This movie made me frightful. Like I was afraid of things. Um, I was even maybe dreading some things, uh, but not necessarily like scared, but I definitely feel it's a horror movie and I think it's a very well executed horror film and one that, um, I think transcends the genre to a, uh, interesting degree. So I think I'm a little higher on this film than you, but what are your thoughts, Matt? Um, no, I, 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 I'm not sure you are actually, oh. um, because you've just said it all so very eloquently that I'm going to struggle to add more to that, but... God damn it! I'm going to add more to that. <laughs> you also you mentioned you mentioned you're not a horror fan. If you guys go and watch the special edition director's cut, the version you've never seen of The Exorcist, if you look very carefully, Reagan McNeil was wearing John Burke pajamas. So <laughs> don't listen to a word this man says. Um, everything you said about Jordan Peele there 
is true. You know what his films are? They're becoming to me, or it seems to be, they're becoming event films. Yes. People see Jordan Peele's name after the success of Get Out, and Us suddenly became a film you had to see. Lupita Nyong'o is devastatingly good in this. We had a similar thing with Tony Collette last year. She should get nominated. And the only thing that makes me think she may do is, I mean, Get Out, obviously it won uh, original screenplay. It was nommed for Best Picture, Best Actor for Daniel Kaluuya, and of course, Director for Jordan Peele. So there is precedence for Peele films. I know that, I know uh, uh, the Academy don't just vote on the people they voted before, or do they? But we've had a lead actor in one of his films before, which was released early on in the year, be nominated for the top award actor-wise. So there's a chance you could do, and obviously we're only in April, but her performance is staggeringly good, and Lupita Nyong'o is already one of one of the top two, three actresses out there now. Again, mm. Academy Award-winning talent. She is exceptionally good in this film. Um, as for as for us, I think it's certainly more conventional horror than Get Out. You know, there's much, there's a lot more horror elements to this. There's a lot more John Carpenter, Wes Craven influences. If you look not too closely, because they're right there for you to see. There's a lot of Twilight Zone styling, which is obviously ironic because Jordan Peele's rebooting that or has rebooted yep. that as of now. It's on CBS streaming. And, exactly. And Jordan Peele, he gets people talking about horror, but in a, uh, how do I put this, intelligent way. Not just, not it wasn't just, how did you find it scary? It's actually, people are debating, and still debating Get Out, but they're debating this film. Like John's got thoughts about it, which I've heard. I have thoughts about it as well, which I've shared. People are really diving deep into this film, into the greater metaphors, the parables. What does it mean? There's so many deeper underlying contexts and subjects to this film, which you wouldn't think, just looking at the trailer, just looks like a pretty creepy film about a doppelganger family in stalking another, stalking their own shadows, essentially. It is a bloody good film for, like I think I said to John, for the first 95% of this, this is top tier filmmaking and horror slash thriller films for me. I did, I liked the ending. I did like the ending. I was slightly disappointed because I think Peel could have done more of the ending. But then, like John said, there's so many different points of view out there, which if you apply any logic to, you can think actually that works. Okay, if you think about it like that, it wasn't that bad. But on the flip side of it, there's also quite a lot that it opens up quite a lot of issues of potential plot holes but yeah. I, I don't want to call them plot holes because they're not plot holes necessarily they only become that when you see the ending you don't i don't you don't think it during it but it it's a film which people can debate and i'm going to be debating it and i've thought about this film quite a lot since i've seen it and when a horror film can get me doing that for any reason i know it's i know it's succeeded but yeah as for the film itself the cast are fabulous i agree with you about winston duke i actually liked his character at times he was a bit too goofy not in a over-the-top Let's take you out of the film way, but he's yeah. a kind of the fun dad type who, you know, likes, play, likes play, playing dad jokes and gags on his kids. It never takes you out of the film because no, it is no, a film yeah. about family, but I understand the reference uh, with Get Out as well. The kids in this film are awesome. The two kids, uh, Evan, Alex, and Shahidi, Wright, Joseph, are so good playing their standard selves and their alternate selves. And we've talked, spoken about kid actors before and how sometimes they're given the you know, the bum end of the deal 
or they're not fed good material, or sometimes they just aren't at the level where they can carry the film yet. The House of a Lock and its Walls. But <laughs> these two kids are they are they are they bring it. They really are very very good in this film. I, but I like I mean, the little boy a little less than you. Um, I didn't think he was bad, but he did. I don't know. There was something maybe about like his presence that felt more like he was acting than he was like. Because I think a lot of the performances feel real natural. And he felt yeah. a little more, like, trying. Um, like, I could feel him trying. And I don't... Maybe it's, again, a criticism of, like, my own taste with, like, kid actors. I thought the sister, Zora, was the character name, but uh, Shahadi, right? Um, I thought she was really strong. She was excellent, I thought. Yeah. And there was... Uh, yeah, I, I found this film terrifying in the sense that, yeah, the dread it gave. Because when it kicks in it really ramps up and it gives you those old school horror vibes and it's the dread it's not oh my god there's you know guts and entrails and decapitations and that kind of horror it is that not knowing what's around the corner but it's done in a slightly better way than the usual let's have the music up really loud bass drop jump scare you know that it it there's something you know something's there but you're at the same time you really don't know what's going on with these doppelgangers and it creates this atmosphere and that's what I love about horror films I do like a good old slasher film sometimes but I want a film to kind of make you feel uneasy and if it can, and this film made me feel uneasy at times because whilst I was trying to decode what on the heck was going on with the doppelgangers there was obviously the more horror aspects of what was happening on screen yes. um, which again I'm not going to go into any of the plots or threads but there's so much going on that I gave me this uneasy feeling of what's happened and when you get to the ending it's this all kind of thing you think oh my but yeah I I thought Us was sensational uh, I if I if, I, if Pete, and this makes me almost sound like a uh, heathen for saying it but I just wish the ending and this is me could have just been stronger for me I know it worked for so many people and it would have been 10 out of 10 I think I gave it 9 out of 10 but I can't wait to watch this again and I'm not I'm telling you Twilight Zone aside I cannot wait to see what he comes up with next because he didn't he didn't rest in his laurels between Get Out and Us is what a year and a half two years in between yeah. Us is a different type of film to Get Out What? how long are we going to wait for the next Jordan Peele horror flick and what is he going to give us I, I'm excited too and I do want to throw out something I just learned while you were talking um, I mentioned the twins uh, Callie Sheldon and Noelle Sheldon I clicked mm-hmm. on them on IMDb to see what else they're in, and lo and behold, they were Emma Geller Green on the last couple seasons of Friends when Rachel has a baby, <laughs> and that just no that Friends connection just won me over even more <laughs> because I don't know if you know this, <laughs> listeners, but I have a weird kind of obsession with that TV show, um, and. Uh, yeah, I I am very like oh my god, that's amazing. Because uh, uh, especially because earlier in the movie in this episode, I mentioned Cole Sprouse and his brother Dylan being on Big Daddy, you know, playing the one kid but having the the twins because you got to swap them out. They here's another friends connection, my friend. They were Ross's son Ben in no. the earlier <laughs> series. So weird friends uh, twin connection of these if anyone ever gets john that trends trivial pursuit you're, you're, you're in sunk. trouble yeah trends trivia is sadly uh somewhere i excel but um yeah <laughs> that's good no, that's, that's good that's quite interesting yeah though. weird weird thread in this month's episode <laughs> that uh the friends connection um 
any other friends movie or just movie twins send them our way just for fun yes uh it, that, i'm i'm in uh, danny devito played a stripper on an episode of friends once <laughs> so i feel sick i haven't seen that episode <laughs> and i maybe won't be rushing to see it it's it's funny because uh it's for phoebe's bachelorette party and she's not thrilled that he is her stripper <laughs> <laughs> would you be no no not at all um for many reasons uh but um but yeah uh us um this this month to me uh the weakest film that i saw was dumbo um yeah and i probably would have i well i wanted to believe burton would pull off something with dumbo but i never once actually believed it you know what i mean like i i went in the whole month going i Dumbo's gonna be bad and it, I wasn't rushing out to see Dumbo. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. I think it pretty much met our expectations of just being violently average, to be honest. Yep. So, And none of the trailers grabbed me either. I really wanted to like it, but none of the trailers grabbed my attention at all. And the thing that the trailer really tried to sell the magic of like him flying. Yeah. And I feel like in the movie, it's like such a... Yeah, okay, he flies. Like I never felt yeah. wonder or a sense of awe or amazement. Yeah. Uh, do it ten more times in the first hour going quick yeah Jesus because um, that's the thing my understanding I haven't seen the cartoon in years but what I went and read like the synopsis uh, and my understanding he doesn't fly a whole lot in the movie like it happens like really late in the film or something it, like, that's pretty much the that's the big part of that film the fact that he finally flies so yeah this movie's just like yeah yeah it's just something he does it's like oh oh okay like <laughs> I guess it, it is. is. It's like, it's a, if everybody, it, there's, again, there's no spoilers here because it's in the trailer, but and everybody's told about this flying elephant and then they're like, no, there can't be a flying elephant. Then they see it and they're like, yep, yeah, flying elephant. Anyway, carry on. And it's just yeah. like, it's literally like something you see every day. It's like, oh, it's an elephant flying around a massive top hat circus. That's the kind of thing where you, you, you hold every front door in the world. But it's just kind of just seen as, hey, elephant flying. Cool, Danny DeVito. It's just like no, I'm not sure what else to say about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's not, it's not quite the uh, the same. But all right, that's our month for March. Um, those are the big four. Uh, Matt and I usually have a long list of other films we saw that came out that month. This this month, as we previously kind of noted, there's only three, and Matt saw two of them and I saw one. So uh, Matt, why don't you start us off? What did you see from this month that um, I've missed so far? I think I got the the raw end of the deal compared to what you saw, I think. Uh, the first one I saw was Netflix's Triple Frontier, a film which I I wouldn't necessarily have jumped to see because of because it's basically another shoot 'em up macho man action flick. But this, the cast, Oscar Isaac, Pedro Pascal, Ben Affleck, uh, Garrett Hedlund and Charlie Hunnam are in it as well. So I thought uh, that's a heck of a cast. Again, very macho, very masculine cast, but... I'm going to go and see any film with Oscar Isaac in it, with Pedro, pa- with Poe Dameron and The Mandalorian in. I'm there. or um, And whoever he played in Game of Thrones, I can't remember Pedro Pascal. Oberon. Yeah, and Charlie Hunnam, I really... Again, he's kind of like the Joey King of actors. I really want to like Charlie Hunnam, but I can't ever really get into anything he does. I'm going to see Ben Affleck in there as well. It is everything you'd expect, pretty much. Tri- Triple Frontier isn't a bad film. It is just a lot of guys double crossing each other shooting guns smoking cigarettes and swearing a lot but it's it's okay the action scenes are pretty decent actually the ending i thought was just a bit bleh, 
But as with, as for me, it, what happens a lot of these kind of films is they try to be too clever, and they try to uh, weave so many threads in to try and throw you off the scent, if you will, that it just becomes a bit convoluted and a bit messy when really all it needs is just Oscar Isaac, Pedro Pascal, and, the, and everybody else just shooting drug barons, which is basically what it comes down to. So Triple Frontier is a if you like, you know these kind of films. Triple Frontier, you will enjoy. It's certainly a heck of a lot better than things like Peppermint. Ah. But I, it's it's okay. The, the characters are all very much of what you've seen before. They they are, they all fit into a stereotype. The bad guys are all these stereotype bad guys. But we're kind of like close or close, whichever one it was, with Numira Payson the other month on Netflix. Ah. It is actually quite decent. She was fabulous in that film. But it this works because you know it's not as bad as other offerings basically. But is this a film you'd rush out to sit down and watch? Uh, I mean, I still haven't watched it, so... Um, <laughs> your answer to that one. But uh, it is on Netflix, and it's a Netflix original. Um, I, the cast almost made me watch it, and I will say, I listen to the Slash Filmcast uh, quite a bit. It's a regular one of my podcasts that I listen to. And usually, if I, so if they're reviewing a movie that I haven't seen, I'll skip the episode. Now, they, they do a spoiler-free section, and they give you... A big spoiler warning before uh, they do spoilers, mm-hmm. but um, usually I skip the episodes still because I don't even want to hear like the initial conversation because um, I don't want their thoughts to influence my thoughts on a on a movie. And I did listen to the the Triple Frontier episode because I'm just like that disinterested in it. I'm just like yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, and and like they they were mixed on it. Um, I think they overall. I think Devendra and Jeff thought it was serviceable and and it, it, watchable. Um, David was a little harsher on it, uh, which he usually is a little harsher, anyways. But um, I I'm a fan of a lot of the cast, and I'm still I still like Affleck. A lot of people have kind of soured on him. Um, I don't dislike Affleck. Hunnam, um, I really like him in uh, Pack Rim. And I think he's in one other movie that I like him in, um, but he's done he's done some bad stuff uh, for sure. King Arthur. No, oh, um, <laughs> I I did not dislike him in King Arthur. I dislike King Arthur. Uh, I think overall, I really I think Guy Ritchie is losing any sort of sensibilities to his style. Um, uh, it's it's so uh, well, all the more reason I'm worried yeah. about Aladdin, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I just I'm not sure. Would you say this is like a throwback to like '80s action movies or like to '90s action movies? Um, more, I'd say more '90s action films. I'd say is yeah, I, I agree with what the slash film guys are saying. It's serviceable if you're if there is if you have nothing else to watch, and I don't mean this disparagingly, but sit you know put it on and watch it for anybody out there. But it's not you're not going to hate it, I doubt. But it, it isn't really going to be one where you 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 sit there and find yourself dropping whatever you're doing unless it's feeding a child um and watching this film because it's just it's not spec it's not spectacular at all and uh yeah charlie H- charlie hunnam I, I hope to see go on and do good things like jamie Dornan. i actually quite like him as an actor but charlie hunnam he he's in things like the lost city of z which or lost city of z so yeah. which a lot of people thought was great i thought it was oh there was a oh. slog but he was up against robert pattinson yeah and right R- pats yeah i called him that He's a sensational actor. And when you're up against Robert Pattinson, a lot of people, 
And for, and yes, I'm saying it for because there are still so many people who just see him as the pale, pasty British guy who was a vampire, yeah, a sparkly vampire. Robert Pattinson is one hell of an actor. He really is. And again, in that film, R. Pats acted the pants off the guy, but um, but that's again, that's more the fact that he's such a good actor. And yeah, what's his name, Guy Ritchie? If 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 Aladdin comes out and suddenly drops his accent and starts speaking Cockney, or or shout or throwing geezers and f bombs and. I'm done with Guy Ritchie. Just go back. Please go back and make a lock stock again or something like that. Go back. See, I wonder if he could do that. I know I'm going off topic, but I wonder if Guy Ritchie could ever recapture a film like Lock Stock made for, you know, Peanuts. Yeah, or Snatch. Or, Snatch, um, yeah. He does have one. Oh, I like Sherlock Holmes, the first one. Um, but. Y- yes, I'll give you that. But I-, I can see why people don't at the same time. I'm also very partial to Robert Downey Jr., and I do like the. Uh, the slow motion like thoughts when he like you know breaks down what he's gonna do i like that scene even though now that what movie just tried to recreate that um um robin hood i i think i think you were correct and it, it was not executed well um no richie time yeah but uh nonetheless um yeah, that was triple frontier. Yeah, let's put it like that. Let's move on to the other movie I didn't see that I was a little interested in, but also have heard nothing about. So you are literally going to be the first person that I hear any thoughts on this movie. I will endeavor to not say too much. I didn't want to. This was a film I wasn't going to spend an awful lot of time on anyway. But now, now knowing that you you haven't seen it or have kind of not too heard too much, I won't say too much. But it's Captive State, another film. With a solid cast. John Goodman, Ashton Sanders, obviously so good in Moonlight. Uh, Vera Farmiga, uh, Madeline Brewer, who is very good in Cam, a Netflix film last year. And Machine Gun Kelly was uh, in it as well. It's, it's not a name I'm overly familiar with oh, in terms of someone called Machine Gun. I dislike but, him. Um, he's a rapper. Yeah. He's, he was in uh, Bird Box. He was, and uh, again... Wasn't too familiar with him in Bird Box. I forgot all about him in Bird Yeah, he's Box. not in it much. And he's also on the other new Netflix movie, uh, the bio- biopic of Motley Crue. He is playing Tommy Lee, which is the main reason I've not watched it yet. So That's a strange period. But obviously Machine Gun Kelly is a darling of Netflix, which I never thought I'd say that. Yeah. But uh, Captive State, very... Uh, it had a good premise, actually. For those, for those who don't know, the premise of the film, no spoilers, it's the synopsis. It's a ten. Uh, it's set ten years after extraterrestrials took over Earth. Basically, Earth essentially surrendered, and they're like, "These guys' guns are bigger than ours. We're we're laying ours down." Uh, it's ten years later, and an insurgency is about to take place. Re- rebels are about to rebel in the in the uh, ta- in the unspoken words of Jin So, uh, you you're all rebels. Let's rebel. It's okay. Captive state is. It's a film which. For me, could have could have been really very good, especially with the cast in it. It actually works better as a mystery than it does as a sci-fi film, mm. which is a positive for the film or a thriller type of thing. Because it actually opens with a bang. It opens really well. Because when I uh, when I saw, it, I thought, "What the heck is this?" You know, I mean, what's what the hell's going on here? Real good, but it. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just trying to be too clever. I don't know what, but it didn't completely work with me, given what we're finally kind of getting a film where what's it like to live in the aftermath of when the bad guys win? And I'm not talking Endgame, I mean this is like 10 years after the bad guys have essentially won, what's it like for Earth? 
it's I mean everyone's good in the film and there are parts of the film which are really pretty cool pretty pumping uh, moments but I wasn't really taken by this film it wasn't sort of kind of it wasn't Dumbo levels of mediocrity but it's um, yeah it's a mixed bag for me some parts are really quite decent other parts are just a bit near a bit throwaway uh, it's if you don't like blood or kind of or violence there's an awful lot of it in it oh. so I'll get I'll get that out there now uh, it's quite bloody it's, it's never overly explicit but there's still quite a lot of blood shed but it's a decent film Captive State but here's my pun I wasn't captivated by yeah. it overall yeah and it doesn't seem like anyone's really talking about it um, which when you look at the month that this movie came out and it still isn't getting any buzz. It's not a good sign. I think it was pushed back as well. It was. It was. It was originally renamed. It was t- It was titled something else originally. Then they retitled it to Captive State, and it was pushed back. So it hasn't had a particularly great. But they also pulled uh, it forward, I believe, too, because I think it was supposed to come out. Um, it was meant to come out later. Yeah, on, yeah, and they so like they pushed it back and they're like, oh, I'll bring it up, and it still did not perform well. Um, did you, I, I feel I listen to you? I swear I do. But did you mention John Goodman at all? Like, was he? Yeah, John Goodman. Yeah, I mentioned him. He's he's okay. Okay, and wow. John that's... Goodman has been in similar roles in something like Ten Cloverfield oh. Lane in terms of the atmosphere of the film. I wasn't, and John's um, sent me some hate mail from the states because I I wasn't a massive fan of Ten Cloverfield Lane, but I know that people were. I am. Um, Disclaimer: He didn't really send me hate mail. No. Uh, hey, John. John Goodman's fine in this film. I mean, everybody's fine. It's good to see Ashton Sanders getting more work. Yeah. As well. Yeah, I mean, he's I, a very good young actor. I, but I liked him. Just, in... just, the cast don't save the film. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's it's not always fair for the cast. And um, you know, you gotta wonder if maybe studio interference for something like this because it is sci-fi gets. I feel like they're afraid of being too out there with sci-fi, and some sci-fi really needs to go big you know you get something like Arrival which people loved yes um, oh. which when I, I again I didn't um, but it, it I, I appreciate the fact that it it went it went there and stayed out there as well it didn't pull it in for some massive battle or war of the world type thing it, it you know it knew what it wanted to do and it achieved it well I, I will probably catch it eventually I'm definitely not fighting to go see it in the theatre um, it's worth a watch I'd say well, I saw one that isn't out yet for you, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, Comes out in a few weeks' time. Hotel Mumbai, uh, which is a indie film with a first-time director, Anthony Maris. Um, it stars Dev Patel, Army Hammer, uh, I'm going to definitely mispronounce this, but Nazanin Bonadi, Boni, I, I am so sorry. Um, Anapum, Anapum, Anapum Kerr who I definitely want to mention, and there's one more actor, uh, oh, you have it, Jason Isaacs, who uh, you might know as Malfoy's dad, in um, Lucius Malfoy in the <laughs> Harry Potter franchise. Um, this, I, I want to believe I had to have heard about this attack in, 20, in 2008. Um, it's a true story of the Taj Hotel terrorist attack in Mumbai. Hotel staff risk their lives to keep everyone safe as people make unthinkable sacrifices protect themselves and their families and um i i i have to have heard something because this terrorist attack is horrifying and um whenever you make a movie based on a uh, true story like this it's it's such a, a slippery slope because it can be disrespectful uh it can sensationalize it can um 
really paint a, a, a negative picture of both the people involved and maybe a stereotypical picture of the terrorist. And um, I don't know if, if this film does a good job of not doing that. Um, it does do a good job of creating a, uh, a super engaging, horrifying experience of what it would be like uh, to be in a terrorist attack. Um, this is uh, the attack is not a single bomb. It is a gun attack, so they are looking to cause as much mayhem as possible. Um, and it is crazy how coordinated the attack was. Uh, Dev Patel is an actor who's won me over a long time ago, and I I don't know if he can do a movie where I won't love him at this point. Um, mm -hmm. He's proven himself to me time and time again. Um, the only film I've not given a chance, really, like a big film that I've not given a chance, is Chappie. And I gotta be honest, I just don't see ever giving that movie a freaking oh, chance. I agree with you. Um, so, but, uh, like, I saw Lion, I saw, um, you know, Danny Boyle's film, um, Slumdog Millionaire, and I saw the probably better to forget Last Airbender, um, where he plays Prince Zuko. Um, but I, I really, really like him um, generally, but I loved him in this. Uh, Army Hammer, who I really do love a lot, doesn't get a lot. And in, for the most part, the characters don't get a whole lot because it's more about the moment that they're in than it is about them. You get enough to see that they're human, that they're scared, that they have something to live for, and so you don't want anyone to die. But you also know that this is a terrorist attack based on a true story, so you don't know who's safe. Um, I was stressed out. I was on the edge of my seat. I found it to be a very, very compelling film. And if you are like me, and I know that I'm not great with keeping up with news, I still don't feel like it's possible for this big of an attack to have happened and me not know a little bit about it unless the American media decided to keep it out of our eyes, um, which is not impossible, truthfully. But uh, I think this movie does a good job of uh, shining light on it, um, it being inspirational. I cried a couple of times. Um, I was genuinely terrified at times, and uh, if... if if you're fortunate, I this type of movie doesn't usually come to my local theater, um, and it did, so I was not going to miss the opportunity to see it. Because um, uh, there's a few other indie films that came out this month that we didn't mention, but uh, Gloria Bell came out, um, which stars uh, Julianne Moore and um, John Turturro. Uh, that came out, but it didn't come close to me. And there was one... Oh, um, the new Michael... Michael, excuse me. Matthew McConaughey film, uh, Beach Bum. Oh, the Beach Bum, Also yeah. came out this month here, but it also didn't come to my local theater, but this movie did, and I was really surprised by that. Um, I honestly would have thought we'd get Beach Bum before we would get Hotel Mumbai, but fortunately uh, for me that we did, um, and I enjoyed it. So um, still kind of... I, I feel very uncertain about saying whether or not this movie is okay to do what it does like because again it is depicting a real life terrorist attack um and i don't know if that's ever a good idea like i, I do think it's a better movie than um what's the the one with Wahlberg and the boston marathon uh deep board oh um oh, uh, patriots uh, day uh, patriots i got i had the one with jake gillenhall in my head yeah oh uh, that's uh oh stronger, stronger yes which i have not She's seen stronger um but I, I didn't hate uh, Patriots. I actually found it still inspirational. Um, I didn't like some of the, the choices they did with Wahlberg. I wish I think all, Wahlberg's too big of an actor. <laughs> um, and for me, I think Army Hammer's too big of an actor for like for him to be this kind of you know 
uh, stock archetypal character because I'm very familiar with him. I don't think the mainstream public is as familiar with him, though. He's he's done a lot more indie stuff lately. Um, and that's stuff that I, I gravitate towards, but, like, you know, Call Me By Your Name and uh, Sorry to Bother You. Um, so I, I'm very much aware of his kind of persona, and it was hard to just, like, look at him as just some, like, general, like, American guy. I'm just like, no, you're Army Hammer. <laughs> like, you're <laughs> way too big uh, for me. Not too so good looking. Yeah, yeah, you can't forget that smile, dude. Like, no way. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought the cast was really strong. And, honestly, Jason Isaacs was uh, – I did not recognize him. Um, I'm like, look, I'm like, Jason Isaac, that sounds so familiar. Oh, it's Lucius Malfoy. But because um, <laughs> he's definitely a different guy in this movie than he ever played in any of the Harry Potter films. But all right. Um, that's it for Hotel Mumbai, though. And that's all we saw uh, for for March, really, uh, which is, again, like I wanted to see Gloria Bell and the Beach Bum, but I haven't. I haven't had a chance. Um, so strange to see so few films. Apparently, the a depiction of the attack in that film, apparently, is extremely accurate. Because I've heard a lot of people say how violently unsettling the film is. is. Yeah. So uh, everything you've just said seems to ring true, and obviously take this take this in the right way. But I'm really looking forward to seeing this film. Yeah. Partly because of the Dev Patel factor, but JB came back from the theatre uh, last week after having seen the film and was just said how good it was, and I thought, well, absolutely. Now I've got to wait, watch this, go and see this. But we've got like three weeks to go. We had other films come out in March, this this which came out in the states what, within the last few months. I just haven't had a chance to see them. I haven't had to want to see them. The one I did want to see was the after aftermath, starring Kira Knightley. It's a World War Two mm. film. It was in my intriguing list of 2019 from what I watched tonight. What Men Want came out. Uh, I, I was you know that one I may I found that one funny. Go and see. <laughs> Eventually, okay, I make, that gives me a bit more hope. And uh, at Eternity's Gate, the Will and Defoe Oscar uh, nominated film, but it's not hasn't played anywhere near me at all. So that was more a case of not being able to see rather than yeah. not going to see. I haven't it. seen that one yet, and I do want to see it. Um, I did not want to see the aftermath. I am so like anti Jason Clark. <laughs> like <laughs> I am. I saw a film with him recently. I know, I know, and that's one <laughs> of the reasons I haven't seen it yet. Is because I'm just like, oh god, I don't want to sit through it it's, um i was surprised at parts yeah. by him so. i know and he's not even it's not even that he's particularly bad it's just something i just don't i just don't like him um in like the, <laughs> the only movie no i don't think i've liked any like i like dawn of the planet of the apes but i don't think i liked him in it like i don't remember it's because him because of him yeah um if you're listening we do think you're a nice guy yeah it's nothing personal <laughs> and i'm sorry because it totally sounds like i'm attacking him i just <laughs> I, I find him to be so vanilla, and then I, I can't get Winchester out of my head. Like, oh. and it's not even again. That was definitely not his fault that that movie's that bad. But it's not. It didn't make it any better. That's for sure. Um, stigma, which is a, attracts itself to, attaches itself to him now. Yeah, <laughs> and and Dame Helen Mirren. But I think April may be a better month than March. Yeah, potentially. We've eh? got a lot to look forward to in April, folks. We'll be back next month to talk about, at the very least. I would say Shazam, Pet Cemetery. Um, some there's some Marvel movie coming out. What is it? Uh, we talk about independent films. Yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of indie films. Actually, though, I will be going to the Florida Film Festival, so I will uh, see a few indie films. Oh, nice. And I did I didn't mention I did see a lot at the Gasparilla Film Festival. Um, so they didn't technically come out this month, so that's why they're not being included. But just a quick uh, kind of look for these movies: um, The Tomorrow Man, which stars John Lithgow, Blythe Danner. Uh, that should be coming out in, in April. 
um, limited release, but if it comes to a theater near you, I highly recommend it. I thought that movie was really great. One of the best John Lithgow performances I've seen. Um, I really liked, uh, I think it's just called Tomorrow. Um, I don't think everyone will like Tomorrow. It's definitely a melodrama uh, in some weird ways. It's a comedy in other weird ways. But I, I was really into the characters, and I thought uh, some of the performances were so great. Um, and it had one of the funniest scenes I've seen on, on the big screen this year. Um, I won't say what, but uh, Big Tuna and I laugh for a solid like three minutes after the scene. <laughs> um, uh, best documentary I've seen uh, this year so far is called Wrestle. Um, that is out mm-hmm. on iTunes now. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I am a teacher, and it is about high school students trying to make more out of their lives and break the cycle. Um, the The film itself, compare, like in the synopsis, it compares it to Hoop Dreams. I think that's a valid comparison. I think they deal with a lot of the same issues and, and uh, themes even. Um, but a really well-made documentary. That was the highlight of the Gasparilla Film Festival to me. Um, and Teen Spirit I saw with um, Elle Fanning and uh, uh, basically the rest of the cast is relatively unknown for like uh, U.S. movies. But um, it's good. It's not amazing. Uh, the director is, I think it's his debut film, but he was in Social Network and he was in... Um, Oh, crud. He was in something last year, too. Uh, he's he's a decent actor. Um, I think he's got some chops at directing, but I don't think he's got everything there yet, especially there's some writing Max issues. Minghella. That's it. Uh, he has some... There's some writing issues with the screenplay, but it's definitely uh, a good film. And I saw all those at Gasparilla um, and uh, Gasparilla International Film Festival um, here in Florida. And I'll be attending the Florida Film Festival in April and the Tribeca Film Festival in May. And that should slow down for the, the festival circuit for me for the year. But um, this is always a busy couple of months for indie films. Uh, but it's also a busy month, April is, for the big blockbusters. Because apparently the summer starts now at the end of April. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, get your best to get... Have, have, I've got, I've got my, it's funny, because I got my Endgame tickets. Me too. I went online, I put the title in, put, put my tickets, picked my time... For, uh, opening night I'm not going midnight because I'm far too far too uh, old and sleep deprived for that but um, going yeah on the Thursday or Friday sorry I got mine straight away because I know so, uh, the I know that in the States you know the ticket sites like it did for The Force Awakens just crashed they've only had a year to prepare but they crashed over here we had problems but I didn't so I just wanted to say that I didn't put it on social media I didn't, for fear of getting attacked. I didn't have I any problems either. Problems. I like people were like uh, my friend, uh, an editor at Burke Reviews, David, messaged me. He's like, "Hey, I, I, I'm I went to get tickets for the IMAX screen and it was sold out, um, so I'm going to this theater instead." And I was like, "Well, I'm not. I'm buying a ticket for my wife and daughter, so I'm not trying to do IMAX. Um, I'd rather stay local." But I went on my my app, bought tickets for my local theater with no issues. And I'm like. And then I heard other people like, oh, the thing was crashed. I couldn't get my tickets. I'm like, really? I had no problem. Um, the downside of my theater is we don't have reserved seating. So I have my tickets, but I still got to get there yes. early enough to get into the theater so I don't get shoved in the front. Um, I don't mind sitting in the back row. I refuse to sit in the front row. So, uh, And I'm sitting right, at the, right very far at the back of a massive screen, which is probably just a standard size for the United States, but a massive screen. So I'm... I agree. We I still can't believe assigned seating isn't a thing. It is it's brilliant. Oh, we have it at most theaters. My local theater does not, and <laughs> it's it is a little frustrating because um, so many other theaters do. 
but yeah, this theater just uh, we it honestly needs a whole new update. Um, the screens are relatively fine, uh, but the seats are old school. Like it's stadium seating, but it's like old school stadium seating where it's like mm-hmm. maybe the the seat in front of you is like half a foot down instead of like most new theaters it's like a two foot drop for the next row so like you have plenty of never a concern with am i going to be able to see over someone's head my theater still has that concern like if a tall person sits in front of you or someone with a big hat uh you're not gonna be able to see the screen so if an if an english gentleman walks in you are in trouble but yeah we have one of those theaters nearby as well the one i go to isn't but there is a independent chain which has the same issues actually that is actually unassigned seating but you pay about four pounds for a film so and and the, and the screen and the cinema quality is actually very high if you're listening anyone from that chain give me free tickets yes but, um, <laughs> it's actually very it's very decent but yeah they haven't got assigned seating but over here it's the it is absolutely the norm and it has been for years yeah and uh i i don't know there's there's still theaters here that don't but most have updated and in fact most of our theaters um have updated to like the fancy seats too like the recliners or at least like big plush leather seats my theater again is the mm-hmm. old school you know foam back foam bottom foldable chair uh which again they're comfortable enough i'm not hey i love my local theater to be completely honest um I, it's a regal which regal has the best rewards program in my opinion mm-hmm. and um the staff there is really cool a lot of the staff is my former students so that always helps uh nice i, I mean i go there literally every week anyways but they know my name for multiple reasons um so they treat me well and uh i do love going there so I do wish they would update their seats, but again, obviously, I don't know if that's in the cards. And as much as I love Regal, um, I wouldn't mind if an AMC would open up nearby uh, because <laughs> their their A-list is the best movie subscription service currently available, in my opinion. Um, and it's it's just too far of a drive for me to, to, to make use of it. But um, if they would put one like 10 minutes away from me, and there's a spot, uh, AMC, if you're listening, um, I, I would love that. But I do love the Regal uh, packages. In fact... I, I'm going to be getting a digital copy of Us, uh, Glass, and um, Happy Death Day to You because of their promotion. Uh-uh. I'll be getting a digital copy of Five Feet Apart, Hellboy, John Wick Chapter 3, and nice. um, what's the uh, the new Seth Rogen movie with Charlize Theron? Um, uh, it's Flosky, it's called it. It was, it was called, called that. Here. It's not that anymore. They changed their it's name. something else now. Um, right? And it's The Long Shot, uh, or just Long Shot. No, The. I think I preferred Flosky. Oh, man, that name's brutal, though. Uh, <laughs> But um, <laughs> you, if I see all four of those, which I will, I'll get all four of those uh, digital copies as well. So, I mean, how do you beat that? You know, you pay for a movie ticket and then you get the digital mm-hmm. copy free. That's pretty great. Um, even though if they have to take crappy movies like Happy Death Day to you. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've just Googled your local theater. Uh, Eagle Ridge Mall, by the looks of it, uh, looks, is that, if that's the one, it looks pretty cool. Apart from the fact yeah. that it's obviously an old picture. There's a King Arthur poster on the wall. Ugh, it looks like a pretty cool little theater. Yeah, I like the theater, and again, they do they do things right for the most part. Um, and there is a community of like film goers that we always end up seeing each other at the same movies. Uh, nice. So that's always that's kind cool. of refreshing. Yeah. Uh, Plus, you get butter popcorn, which we don't. So I'm still on my butter popcorn pilgrimage. Will happen one day. Really? You don't get butter on your popcorn? In- no, we don't. We get we get sweets salted or if you're really daring because we're british you can have a bit of both but um i've i've been to the united states and had butter popcorn and it changed my life but wow. um, and also going over there you have sugar in your soda soft drinks we don't have that anymore we have to pay we have to pay a sugar tax if you want a full sugar uh, soda, pepsi coke whatever other brands are available let me give you a yeah, tip matt it, 
a long time ago, this country tried to make us pay for tea. We threw that shit in the harbor. So, <laughs> Jeez, if, if this country made me pay for tea, I'll swim through the harbor to come and live over there for my tea. Yeah, um, man, that's oh, wow. The sugar tax is crazy. Um, it's, it's sounds like something you charge your get... wife on like Valentine's Day. It's gonna be a sugar tax. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you can. But you got to pay your sugar tax. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you get a smack around the face, and then that's <laughs> Valentine's Day ruined. And... <laughs> That's how it happens over here. Yes. I'm glad to know it's the same for you, too. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't know about the... When you say sweet popcorn, are we talking like kettle corn or like a caramel corn? We're just there. We're just talking about a popcorn with a... Essentially, I guess, like a melted... Uh, a sugared flavour, basically. It's nice, hmm. but I'm guessing they just... when they, I'm guessing when they make it, it's just got like hot sugar in it, which kind of just caram- doesn't even caramelise on it. Well, I've never really thought too much about it. It just tastes sweet. And obviously, the other one is salted, but... Yeah, I've had I've had buttered popcorn before, and oh man, too much to my surprise, I thought it was lovely. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, we have a sugar tax over here, so you only pay about forty p more, about fifty cents more than you would normally. But because obviously they're trying to promote healthy living, and which is great, mm. I fully understand that. But god damn, I just want a full 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 blown Coke or Pepsi or Dr Pepper over there tastes like Dr Pepper in the states. Yeah, over here it doesn't. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I'm not going to go on a rant because I could be here for hours. Well, you know, we have a theater chain out here that has a, uh, a Cheetos popcorn. No, that it has it has <laughs> the cheese on the popcorn and actual Cheetos in the popcorn mix. Oh and um, I, I, it's not as good as you would expect, but it's also like one of those kind of weird. Um, and that particular chain has also caramel corn or regular butter popcorn um and you can get that mix i don't know about the the butter part because the butter is put on afterwards you probably don't put the butter with the caramel but you know we got some weird you know america we like our shit fat you know that's what we do do you have bacon popcorn i'm sure someone has bacon popcorn yeah someone's got uh, burger popcorn bacon had a real resurgence where it was just getting into everything it was almost like cranberries (laughs) you know like cranberries (laughs) got into all the other juices uh, to st- yep. to steal a uh, Brian Regan bit, but um, <laughs> yeah, like bacon was getting into everything for a little while. It seems like it slowed down again. I think maybe a few too many heart attacks happened, and it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but but, okay, but give me all the bacon. Well, with that, I think we should wrap up this episode of Bamp. Um, we will be back in uh, at the end of April, early May, to discuss the films of April, including again at the very least, and we don't know for sure what else we might see, but Shazam. Pet Cemetery and definitely Avengers Endgame because Hellboy. Oh, and yeah, most likely Hellboy. Um, I think there's one or two other films that are coming out that could maybe bump it up or bump it really? off the list, depending. Because uh, I gotta say, I'm not too thrilled about Hellboy. Uh, I'm a fan of Sasha Banks. Um, I think Sasha Lane. Sorry, Sasha Lane. Sasha Lane. Sasha Banks is a WWE wrestler. Um, Sasha Lane. I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, I, and I like David Harbor, but man. The trailers are not doing it for me. Um, I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm not sold. It, it. Uh, I don't know. I'm not hanging my coat on the Ron Perlman Hellboy as the only person who can ever do it, but the trailers don't look... They haven't dragged me, and it looks like it's going to be a heck of a lot of violent fun, but... Uh, I, I hope so. I'm not... I hope it's true. Again, I'm not going to run out first thing to go and see it. I'll, I'll see it over the I weekend. mean, but we have Shazam, Hellboy, and Avengers Endgame in the same month. Three comic book movies um, from three different companies, mind you. I mean, I think I think Hellboy's Dark Horse, um, you know, obviously DC and then yeah. Marvel. And, 
yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think Hellboy has a chance to win. Uh, Shazam, not to spoil next month's episode, but I really like Shazam quite a bit, and I'm very much. If I don't like Endgame, I will be surprised. Uh, and Shazam's got what, a three week, three weeks to kind of take some money before mm-hmm. the Endgame basically hoovers up. Yes, half, half of the world's um, currency. I would. I'm venturing to say that Endgame is going to potentially knock Force Awakens off the domestic all time gross. Um, it could. It's going to be the biggest film of the year, even with Episode Nine, which I am anticipating more than anything. Endgame's going to be the biggest hit of the year. Yeah. I've heard people say Lion King could sneak in, but the Lion King isn't making Endgame money. No. I know it appeals to a possibly a bigger, even bigger demographic and wider uh, audience potentially. But you know, End Endgame has the kind of fans where even if it's three hours, two minutes long, Endgame has got people who go back and watch it three, four, five sure. times in the same day. So, yeah, as many times as they can yeah. fit into a day now. Uh, three might be the Let's max. I hope it's good, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but, all right, guys. Uh, we'll be back next month to talk about those movies. Um, if you like us, we hope that you follow us on social media. You can find me at Burke Reviews. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, what I watch tonight.co.uk and the same name, What I Watch Tonight, across all of the socials. And um, until next time, I say keep watching movies. And I say keep it bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 blood